Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiacos FC and Greek football. You are listening to episode 44 of the podcast. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm very happy to be back. It's been more than a week since I've recorded an episode, and it feels like it's been a year. And I'm very happy to be back. We've got the three other hosts here, Adi Bulubasis, Labrosirmos, and Costa de Boyanis, all four of us together as hosts for the first time. I'm very excited. We have an episode to talk about some Olympiakos Greek Super League football, and we are going to be discussing the win against Yanni Na. We'll also go into the Pauk game a little bit, and we're also going to discuss some news around the league. Before we do that, we have some special guests to announce. We are very excited that our first basketball-focused podcast will be coming out on this Friday, January 22nd. We'll be joined by Manolo77 on Twitter of the fantastic blog Red Point Guard. And we are really, really excited for this one. Adi will be missing because he's not as much of a basketball aficionado as the other three of us, to say the least. I'm really nope. excited for this one. Um, we did run the Twitter poll that you may have seen. Uh, if not, follow us on Gate7INTL at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit folks were clamoring for basketball content. So we're going to give this one a try. If we get some listens on it, then we'll continue to put this stuff out. So if you are one of the people who voted for basketball every week or every other week, listen to this episode and tell us what you think and keep tuning in so we know that you want more of that content. Um, we also have our former player, the one that we've teased on social media, that episode will be coming out a week from today on Monday, January 25th. We have some hints on our social media. Feel free to go ahead and guest on Twitter or Instagram or anything. We haven't had a correct guest for this one yet. Matt Derbyshire was a pretty quick guess. This one, not so much. We do have some hints. He is a non-Greek player. As we've said, he played prior to the Marinakis era. The third hint for you, this is special news coming right here. When we had Stelio on, one of the hints that we gave for him is that he was bald. We've still been getting a lot of bald guesses. Georgievich among one of them. I think maybe Yorgatos as well. This guy's not bald, so hopefully that will help. Maybe the next thing will be the color of his hair. I'll stop there. <laughs> oh, well, we'll see if we'll see if people maybe the non-bald will help people guess it, but we will have to, we'll have to see. We'll keep giving hints, as we said. When someone guesses it, we'll make it official. So get on social media and throw your guesses. We've had a lot of them. We love the funny guesses sometimes. Uh, Steven, Steven guessed Takis Lemonis, which gave us all a good laugh. That would be a hell of an interview. Um, so, yeah, continue to guess, and uh, hopefully you'll know who it is soon. We do have a special guest that we can announce the identity of, and that is the president of the Olympiakos Washington, D.C. soccer school, Harry Kara George. We would like to congratulate them uh, and give them a huge shout out on their acceptance into the United Premier Soccer League. So big, big things happening over there. We're very excited to talk to Harry about the developments uh, with this Olympiakos soccer school in the States. And hopefully, maybe one day we'll have American players in the side for the Greek Olympiakos team. That would be really cool for the three American hosts here. And for the non-American listeners, the United Premier Soccer League is, it's not exactly the second division of U.S. professional soccer. It's a step under that. 
Uh, for those of you that know baseball here, it's kind of a segue in between college and the professional, the professional level. It gives players that are coming out of the college system here, which is the system all of our professional sports are based on. There's a draft. College players get picked by, by professional teams. Those that don't sometimes have difficulty finding a place to play and continue to showcase their talents. This is one place that young college players recently graduated that weren't in any draft or didn't get picked by any teams can go showcase their talent. They can join one of these teams and teams that are successful or teams that win their division or win the, the cup at the end of this competition get a place in the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup is just like the domestic cup competitions for countries across Europe. A BC division side can play against professional sides, showcase their talents, showcase who they have, and perhaps sell the talent that is available or trade them, as is the case in the United States. So this is huge news for these guys, and we're excited to have Harry Carajorge on. Indeed, we are very excited. We're excited for Harry to take this big step, and we are also you know, excited for these players to potentially play against MLS teams in the U.S. Open Cup. That would be really cool. One more special guest that you've known about for a long time is the PSV podcast. That episode will be airing on February 17th, right before the first leg of the Europa League round of 32, when Olympiacos play PSV. We are excited to hear their perspective on the team and discuss pre-match for the game. Lastly, I would like to say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at PiraeusINTL.com or give them a call at 410-675-4696. Getting into some news for the club, Matthew Valbuena Remember, his contract expires at the end of the season, as well as Sudani and Holebas. In an interview with Nova Sports recently, Valbuena said that he wanted to keep playing at Olympiacos in the future. So he's obviously up there in years. He's recovering from an injury, but he's been great for the most part. And hopefully he will be continuing to be in red and white as one of our favorite players on the team. This leads to the question that actually Costa left on his um, Twitter account on Olympiacos EU that got a lot of traction and a lot of Olympiacos fans talking. Is it worth it to give Matthew Valbuena another year contract? Reminder, he's going to be 37 years old and he is taking probably one of the highest salaries on the team. Do we want to be relying on a 37-year-old or shall we try to bring in some young talent like Lovera, who we'll discuss in a little bit, maybe looking like he's on the out? The thing I see is, as you say, Lambro, he's a big paid player, and eventually he's going to fall off that cliff. I mean, usually wing players and attacking midfielders don't last as long as Valbuena does. So props to him for being in exceptional physical shape at his age, but he's going to start falling off. And if we keep Valbuena at the club, that means to me that they are going to say, we don't need another winger. You know, we'll keep Valbuena. We don't need to bring someone in, or we're not going to give more time to some of the the more fringe players like Lovera, like you said, Lambro. But for me, I am worried about Valbuena potentially falling off that cliff, especially given that he will probably still assume a very important role with the team next season. I think it's just interesting to um, to show the numbers here. So on the poll, 
the sample's not bad. There are about 100, 140 votes on the, the question, which was, should we renew Valbuena at the end of the season? 72% um, yes, 28% no. And I'll just perhaps read out a couple of the comments received. Uh, one of them from YK, I think that's Yanis Canelis in Liège, Belgium. He says, no, even if he remains a player with good stats, he harms Fortuna's football and the team is playing better without him lately. Moreover, we have depended on him too much. Um, that's one opinion. Another opinion which I would say falls into, into my own track of thought is from Olympiakos, uh, English version. I think that's Bob Beans. He says, I'd hope we'd be looking to the future and moving on and be grateful to have had two wonderful seasons out of him in the twilight of his career, which Fenerbahce fans doubted we'd get when he signed. But if there is no succession plan, then he'd probably still do a job in 2021-2022. And I think some of the issues have been raised already. His salary is far too high. Um, I would, yeah, I would also hope that um, we wouldn't be depending on a 36, 37 year old next season. Um, so I think um, I, I very much would agree with uh, with what Bob has has put on the on the comments here. I agree a hundred percent with that. Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too upset with renewing him as long as he's not playing a pivotal and central role with the team. Obviously, as we need him as a depth option, I'd love to have him. I still think he can contribute. But if we see that he's signed and we don't have a future or we don't have a solution to that position in terms of depth for his role at the 10 or even in versatility playing on the wing, I will have many concerns. That's exactly the thing for me, Adi, because I think that is what will happen if we sign him. We're going to disregard the depth and then, you know, maybe he'll get injured. Maybe he won't be as good. And Costa, or, or I guess someone who commented on, on Costa's tweet, brought it up that he and Fortunis have not played super well together recently. And, you know, Fortunis, is, you can't bench him. He's, he's Costa's Fortunis. And Valbuena, while a very good player, if he's not going to play well with Fortunis, he maybe just doesn't fit into the team. We'll get into this issue more because... Uh, we've talked about it before, and we'll talk about it a bit with the more recent games. I will say, speaking of washed-up players at Fenerbahce, maybe one player Olympiakos could be looking at a year on or so from now, Mesut Ozil, now at Fenerbahce. Now, the reason I say this, and I was actually reading an SDNA article, uh, and they made the very good point that Ozil, despite being a World Cup winner and a world-class midfielder, Fenerbahce actually don't need him because they already have Dimitris Pelkas, who can't even get into the ethnic when everyone is healthy. So, you know, maybe Olympiacos come in for Ozil. Lambro goes to the airport like never before. This would be a huge moment for him. And Fenerbahce with Pelkas in, they don't need him. So it's it, everybody wins in this situation. Ozil would be a magical signing for this club. And I would be at the airport. I'm already at the airport. If there's even a rumor, I'm already, I'm on standby at the airport. Camping but out. I want to... Exactly. I want to say one thing real quick about Valbuena. I just don't want to get an ugly ending. Does that make sense? Like, Troy Dominguez went bad with the Paolo Bento situation. If you guys remember that, 
he released that whole statement like I had to make a stand for the club and like some fans went sour on him and then he left for a few years and then retired I would really prefer if things end in like a nice way not his body breaking down not like some terrible contract dispute I don't know I just hope it ends well it could end up like it did with Dorosilis and Avram. I mean, I think that would be that would be the best, you know. If he if he agrees that he can lower his his wage demand and play a role at the club, you know, sit on sit sit on the bench, come on when he's needed, contribute with his his experience, his technique, his ability from set pieces. You just can't expect him anymore to pick up the ball and orchestrate the entire team like he did last season when Fortunis was injured the entire season. He came in as a transfer to play on the wing. He ended up coming in and playing as a 10, as a as a creator, as the main playmaker last season. He did an amazing job. Uh, I think he exceeded all our expectations last season. Still doing wonders. Um, this year, I think he got run into the ground early on and uh, he got injured. And now he's slowly coming back. Um, he, whatever happens, he's been a fantastic player, and he's he's uh, he's great for the younger players in our team as well for them to soak up his experience and learn from him. Uh, so absolutely, I I hope that uh, I, I hope for the best. Yeah, that's a good. I, I would like to see that ending as well. You know, if he sort of fades into, and it would be such an Olympiakos move to like make him a coach or a scout or something, some role with the team. Like, I feel like that would be so classic. Now, moving on to a, just an absolute top player, like one of the biggest players at this club right now, Bruno, um, the the huge, the party extraordinaire, just absolute top class player and person off the pitch. Um, he is being sought by Omonia. Shout out, Stell. You're getting a good one if he comes in, uh, as well as Aporon Limassol. Two teams fighting for the top of the Cypriot League. Uh, the Cypriot League, very competitive this year, so maybe Bruno can come in as a utility winger, midfielder, right back, you know, have some fun parties, and uh, we will see what happens with that. He will probably not be missed, um, but, you know, Nothing official yet. Uh, Maxi Lovera, a player who doesn't play that much, but he will be missed if he does end up leaving. Uh, we're continuing to see links with Anderlecht. We mentioned that potential loan with option to buy. There are other teams reportedly after him as well. Uh, you know, he probably wants to go play in some football, but hopefully maybe we can see him still at the club and having a bigger role in the future. Uh, Nicola Kopoulos and reports from FOS. Uh, the newspaper that actually, uh, I don't know if we mentioned this on the last episode, but we were in the FOS. Um, the very, very exciting stuff uh, that our interview with Matt Derbyshire got us uh, in the FOS newspaper, big newspaper for Olympiacos fans, really cool stuff. Uh, big shout out to them for doing that. But anyway, uh, they have reported that we are looking at the 18-year-old Panetolikos defender who we faced up against recently, Apostolos Konstantopoulos, uh, a very young player looks promising, still has a bit to improve in my opinion, but, you know, could be a good buy to potentially grow and groom into a, a top center back for us in the future. Olympiakos are also in the run for Serbian youth international Nijekos Petrovic, who currently plays for Red Star, a sister club of ours. He is currently valued at about 5 million euros. Uh, Red Star are interested in dropping that value, though, if we give them Nikola Chumic, 
who of course was terrorizing Red Star in the Serbian league uh, before we bought him. This is a transfer that's worth keeping tabs on. Maybe we'll have a deep dive on him if the links become more legitimate. Dimitri Spinakas continues to be rumored, although <clears throat> as you might expect for uh, negotiating with Alexis Kuyas, uh, things are, are not moving maybe as fast as we would want them to. He has come out and said that 3 million and 20% of uh, Pinakas' rights is the minimum price. Um, as mentioned on Twitter, and maybe even on the last episode, Pinakas did appear on Mega, which is a television channel owned by Marinakis. So that's an interesting one to follow up on. And it would be really great. We'll talk about the striker situation later. It would be really great if we could see Pinakas in a red and white shirt, even if he does spend the next six months in Larisa, which is more likely if we do sign him this winter. Really quickly, I wanted to know what you guys thought. How much would you pay for Pinakas? If you were Marinaki, you were in the front office, you want him, what would you guys be willing to pay for him? I would say Personally? I would maybe do the three mil. Yeah. Um, I think Greek players, we're typically going to get Greek players, I would say at a bargain. Um, and that might be why, you know, three mil seems like a big number for a Greek player. But I think oftentimes when we buy Greek players, we get good value for them. Now, obviously, we could look back on Pinakas comes in for three million euros and just becomes nothing. Uh, but I, I think I would do it. Um, he's, he's young. He's Greek. Uh, he understands the Greek Super League. Although maybe I would try to bring the value down. I don't know how honest Kouyas is being. That could just be a tactic. And uh, maybe we can bring the value down a little bit. Because I think in traditional years, you wouldn't pay for three mil like for a player like that uh, because he's Greek. I think you have to look at how much we paid for Greek talent that we bought in the past. And we've never paid that much money for a Greek player. It's, um, it, it's, just, it's just never worked like that. Um, Torosidis came in for less than a million. I can't think of anybody that we've paid more than a million for. And actually, I think the one that we paid the most for recently is Yanis Masuras. Yes. Came from Larissa. And now he's playing on loan in Poland. So uh, I think, you know, Kuyas is trying to cash in. Clearly, uh, he said that, you know, why should uh, Olympiakos play, uh, pay more than three and a half million for someone like Maxi Lovera? And why shouldn't we try and sell a player like Pinakas for the same amount or close to? Um, so... In the end, I would never see us paying more than more than one and a half million for a, for a talent like that. I would imagine it could end up being one of those deals where we would give players in exchange. And I would not be surprised to see a player like Kuypers go the other way. But I do have a feeling that if Kuypers were to leave from his own perspective, he would like to go to a serious club. No disrespect to Larissa, they're a historic club. I just think that Kuypers would probably favour a move abroad. And there is, uh, or there are rumours rather that clubs in Holland and uh, the second division in Spain, including Sporting Gijón, are looking at him. Uh, I wonder if Bruno might be part of a deal for... Um, for for Pinakas, but but yeah, three million for a for a Greek player, no way, no way. Yeah, and 
um, what did Yogos Mansuras go for? Five hundred thousand, like Dermy Shy, five hundred thousand Panionios. I think those were pretty recent ones too. Yes, is that about right? Yeah. Anyway, three million—that's like half of the best Greek fullback Dimitris Yanoulis, right? So you know, you're, I don't know. That seems quite a—that <laughs> seems quite a lot to me. I just, you went there. You I, I went had to go there. there. I had to go there, didn't I? I had to. Honestly, three million. Honestly, is <laughs> six million is too much for Yanoulis. Anyway, yes, three million is way too much, and. Yeah, I, I, I would land around 1.5 million. And I, I tweeted this out after the fantastic Yanis Tatsis, I think his name is, was fired from Larissa. Like, I've watched a lot of Larissa, game, Larissa games on TV because, I don't know, they're just like prime time and I'm sitting there with Nova Sports on the TV. And they suck. They're so bad. They're so bad. They play like a central defender at right back, a right wing back and a five at the back. And it's just terrible. So I watch a lot of Pinakas. And it's difficult to judge him because everyone sucks around him, except for like Tim Schwab, Schwab is his name. Sparf. Sparf. Sparf, yeah. Anyway, it's difficult to judge. Like he pulls off magical bits, but like just goes MIA because Larissa sucks so much. So it's like really difficult to judge how good is this kid really. I don't know. Yeah. And you and Costa brought up, both brought, brought up great points. And those are things that I wanted to touch on because – First of all, the thing that worries me is I don't want another repeat of a Dermashai or a uh, Dimitris Manos where they look great at their maiden clubs. They look decent. There's something there. And next thing you know, we get them and then they lay an egg, just like Manos did. Uh, you know, he's doing better now that he's moved on, I guess, and more power to him. Dermashai, unfortunately, has he's not. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, but now I will say this, though, for Pinakas. I personally would be willing to go 1.5 million for him only because uh, I did do a bit of a deep dive on him. I watched all of his touches, everything. And when I compare his movement, his ability on the ball to guys like Manos and guys like uh, Dermishai, he, he is better. He, and he's young. He still has so much improvement in him. So like so much on his game, he can build upon so much growth and development. He's already better on the ball. He makes better runs. He makes better decisions. What's holding him back and what's really keeping us from seeing how he does in a more free-flowing system is the fact that his team is terrible and he gets completely stranded because he can't do everything himself. For what it's worth, he can be a cam as well. Don't forget that. That's one thing that Michael Vicinia said, that he might be actually best playing as a shadow striker or something like that. And we could see... I mean, Fortunis is obviously our cam, but that's an interesting uh, wrinkle for him as well. But we will we will keep updating folks on that transfer as it comes out. If Alexis Kulia says something funny or if he drops his negotiations because $3 million, as everyone has said, is a lot for a Greek player, we will continue to report on that on social media as well as on the podcast. A couple more uh, nuggets for Olympiakos. Mitroglou has cooled down. In fact, in general, we haven't heard anything about Mitroglou with any other team. Uh, he, it looks like maybe that'll be something that will continue to develop uh, for his sake. He probably doesn't want to be sitting on the Marseille bench for another six months. Hugo Kuypers is rumored to be going on loan. Costa did mention, you know, maybe uh, he would go to Larissa in an exchange or something like that. But even with those links, we still haven't heard anything about Mitroglou. Maybe it, it will fire up if Pinakas doesn't work out. But 
uh, Lambro. Unfortunately, we don't have any update on that. Uh, we are linked with Leonidas Stergiu from St. Gallen in Switzerland. He is a Swiss under-21 international, although as you would judge by his name, he is at least part Greek in some way. Uh, he's a very talented young center back. And if we see Cisse or something going out, maybe he's a name that could replace him. Socrates Papasathopoulos, another player that we've talked about coming back. Those rumors have been denied by Carapapas, so he might not be coming in. We've talked about why he might end up in Italy or something else more likely. So doesn't look like Socrates will be back in. There were some rumors about Rafinha, but they were quickly dispelled by the man himself who has said that to Lambros's dismay, he wants to stay and play in Greece. He was linked with his former club, Schalke, who are just in a horrible state. They just won their first game of the Bundesliga like last week. They are in the relegation zone like three years after being in Champions League. Really horrible fall from grace for Schalke. And um, Rafinha will not be coming to help them. It will be, he will be staying at Olympiacos just like Zambro wants. A couple quick news bites for some other teams. Uh, Panathinaikos have brought back Mauricio. Their backup goalkeeper, uh, Zenopoulos, has re-signed a contract. Uh, they are looking at selling Zagaritis, uh, which is interesting, the young left back. Um, I think, was it Parma who were linked with him in Italy? Parma for 500,000 euros. Parma for 500,000. So, um, you know, Alexis Kouyas, take a look at that as well, because uh, Zagaritis is very talented and actually plays in a decent team, so we know what he can do a little bit more. He's not perfect, to be fair, but um, he might be going out to Italy, which is an interesting one. Pauk are looking to now sell Antonio Cholak, who they brought in over the summer. Kremenchik has scored two goals since he's come in, so maybe they've decided they don't have any room for Cholak in the team. He was kind of a bum, uh, as well as Anderson Asiti, who was also not in the squad. Uh, the Nigerian midfielder uh, is also on the transfer list. Um, and Vranjez, uh, the former Ike player, uh, has come out and said that there's no contact between him and Panayotis Kone. So uh, the links of him returning to Ike are looking less and less likely. Also, Peter, I have to give a shout out to a meme about Joe Luck I sent to all of you. And the meme said, when these players play, you don't see your team scoring a goal ever. And it's Atlison, Neuer, Oblak, and our man Antonio Cholak, the king <laughs> of not scoring goals. You know, good for Pauk that they actually, they brought in the bald Zlatan, as Lambro called him, and he's actually been scoring. Uh, geez, what would they be doing without, uh, without Kremenchik coming in? Um, as Lambro mentioned, uh, Larissa have fired their coach. Uh, it's not even, it's I think the second coach or maybe even the third coach that they've had uh, this year. He resigned, uh, but Kuyas did not accept the resignation. Um, just a mess going on over there. Their team is in absolute shambles. And uh, four players have had their contracts terminated. Larissa continue to sign players. And, you know, it's not the young Greek players that their fans might be wanting. It's just like, 32-year-old players from the middle of nowhere, like just coming in to do absolutely nothing and then leave. So Alexis Kouyas at his finest right now. He's doing a great job. Honestly, Peter, the scouting is so impressive where they find these dudes. If you like look up, like they have like a Bolivian international at Central Defense. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, they, they sign like internationals of like 
the most abstract country. They're like Kazakhstan's captain is <laughs> here. It's, we're, it's like we're linked with a Zimbabwe international, like yeah, <laughs> Fiji. Larisa fans are in the. Do they even have an airport in Larisa? I have no idea. Maybe they're at the bus <laughs> depot or something. Like Kuyas watches a lot of like Mexican second division, and his fans are like. Guys, we need young Greek players to make this team better. And Alexis Kolias is like, I'm too busy watching Bolivian second division sides looking for my next big player. They must have scouts like everywhere. I, I don't know where they even, like, even football manager won't even recommend you players <laughs> like that. They must football manager, you have like the scouting package and it's like Europe, well scouted. Kuyas has like Europe, nothing. Like East Asia, great scouting. Australia and Oceania, great scouting. <laughs> Oh my God. Like, yeah, he brings in, it's amazing the way he can find players from just so far out. And they're always 32 years old or more. Uh, and they always only stay at the club for one season and then just, you know, screw off to go somewhere else. Such a well-run club. Anyway, we do have a couple comments. Uh, when we talked about Pauk, or I shouldn't say we, cause I wasn't there, but when uh, everyone else talked about Pauk with Vasidi Sambracos, there were no analytics available. We do have a couple points uh, that we want to hit on more team related things because uh, the analytics don't really reveal much about the players. The players were all pretty bad, like we thought. Um, but Adi does have a couple notes for team wide analytics that might be interesting to go over. Adi, what do you have for us for the pout game? Yeah, the really big thing is more more how we covered the field and more how the player mapping was. Um, despite Valbuena not really stretching that left side of the field and kind of coming in overlapping in that space with Fortunis. We still had more width technically than Balk did. Balk actually was way, way, way more condensed. When you pull up the map, they are literally midfield and forwards. They are on top of each other. And you look at that and you say, wow, I mean, in terms of their link up, these guys were all occupying the same piece of the field, the entire team. How in God's name did they get anything rolling? But it made sense in retrospect because when when I was watching the film, watching the tape, watching the link-up play that was occurring, this helped them clog and crowd out the midfield against us. All of the inability, the, their pressing, everything that kept us from really maintaining solid possession against them, it was because of this condensed formation. that They stayed very close together, really worked us hard, kept us from getting real rhythm going and credit to them it worked garcia had a game plan and unfortunately we didn't properly counter it and to get anything really out of it so fortunate to get the result there something also that probably will surprise nobody uh, there was only one smart pass completed by both teams in that game everything was uh, all of the everything going in was either crosses from the outside, uh, and by the outside I mean before the 18, not really always to the end line, a handful of those, uh, or stuff going straight up the center. But other than that, there wasn't anything that really made me look and think, hey, you know, maybe we were a little too tough on these guys. Um, everybody really had a poor game. Nobody really did anything really to stand out from the other. I just thought it was interesting that in terms of the in the player mapping. Uh, Pauk were way more condensed and it worked for in their advantage. Yeah. As you said, Adi, um, it's nice to get that backing from the analytics to, to really summarize their game plan there. They honestly managed the game a lot better than we did. And, and as Adi said, we're lucky to get the point out of it. 
scary, scary game to watch. We play Pauk in about a week and a half. We need to be better. And that brings me into our game today, which in which we also needed to be better, but we got a bit lucky. Olympiacos won, Dianina zero. And the one goal was a classic from a player that we haven't seen on the score sheet in a long time, and we're very happy to see back, Ahmed Hassan, deep in the depths of the game. As soon as stoppage time hits, this guy basically turns into prime Cristiano Ronaldo, just getting goals left and right, legendary player. It's really nice to see him scoring goals after he beat coronavirus and he's coming back and he's in the team. However, while we can talk about Hassan being great, uh, there are a lot of more concerning things to focus on here. Uh, I'm going to let Lambro start. We talked about a lot of this stuff uh, just as us in the chat and, you know, it, it had a pretty good discussion. So we will have a lot to talk about with this one because there, there are some things that need to change. Yeah, I actually wanted to just bring up Hassan real quick and then I'll get into the concerning stuff. It was almost the exact same goal. He scored around the same time against Adromithos last year and Martin Zola actually said the same thing in his post-game conference. I read the transcript just now about games like this decide the championship and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the more important thing, actually that's the most important thing, the three points, I guess, but the really important thing to me is just we. I, I tried to ask this from San Baracos, I, I was kind of pushing on it, like where is the rotation from Martins and why is he not rotating? Because today we saw why that's a problem. Like this was the worst game we've seen. It was almost like two halves of Pauk. Of course, we lost the penalty. We got an offside goal, blah, 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 blah. But we should have dropped points and like a more clinical team probably beats us at, at home there. So the concern is players like Mvia. Players like Al Arabi, they just are run into the ground. They've played six games in two weeks, I want to say. Is that what we said? And meanwhile, we have players like Thiago Silva who came on when Valbuena and Fortunis were out, played very well. Okay, we have the, let's say, the, the quality coat, how many people describe him, Pepe. And, like, why don't we use these guys? Like, would a Bujalakis Pepe midfield have been not bad? Would have, would have Thiago Silva playing instead of Valbuena been so bad? Like, many tiny questions like that. Kuipers is being pushed out the door, of course, but could Kuipers have played? Could Sudani have played? Su Hassan, I don't know if he could even go 90, probably not 90 minutes, but 60, 55. Just simple things like that. Could we have done that? I don't know. Personally, I would have. And his subs were terrible. Let's just not even get into that. Those subs at halftime were a joke. Buhalex was the best player on the field at halftime. And Masura's not coming off. What a joke. Anyway, let's just start off with that. I think I had a very different, well, not a very different opinion, but a slightly different opinion, you know, a few minutes or hours after the game. I was quite, I would have, you know, given Martins a, an F for a coach rating, you know, straight after the game. I was quite annoyed. Um, thinking about it a bit, you know, with a cooler head now, I think that, you know, he, if he, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't when it comes to rotation. You rotated too much and you dropped points, or uh, you didn't rotate and now El Arabi and Mvidia are, are exhausted. Having said that, let's look at the facts. He rotated five players 
actually. So there were five players that were different from, from the Pauk game. Cisse came in, uh, Buchalakis came in. I think Masuras didn't start the Pauk game, if I'm... No, I think he did. Bruma, Bruma was a new addition today. Uh, and Drager, and Drager as well. Um, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're, when we talk about who needs some rest, we're talking about some very specific players. That's Envia on the one hand, and uh, and El Arabi. El Arabi's not the youngest. He's been playing non-stop. Uh, we've had five games in the last two weeks, three away from home, back-to-back. So these players need to be taken care of. And like Labro said, I'm really beginning to ask questions about some players like, like Pepe, who we paid three and a half million for in the summer or more, if I'm not mistaken. I really start to ask myself the question, Can't seriously, can't Pepe come in and do a job in the Greek league? And, and again, no disrespect to Yanina, they're a really good side. Uh, they... We, we got a draw when we played them away, uh, but but still, you'd expect a players like that to be able to come in and, and do a job. Well, that's the thing for me. And, and Costa, you did mention that we did rotate a lot of players. Rafinha got the day off, and that's, you know, that's very good. Uh, Rafinha deserves a day off. He's old. He can't be playing a lot. Peter, if I can just say Rafinha deserves the rest of the year off. He's terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. We can get into that as well. All we right, should now. be fine right back anyway. Um, <laughs> all right, Lambro. Uh, and then Fortuny's got a day off, which I mean, Fortuny's is not a young player, and and you know I'm not gonna say anything about that. He, you know, he came on as a sub, but he did not get the start. Uh, Bruma, I believe, was not fit, and then he came in for uh, you know effectively Fortuny's. Uh, Brusai was was taken, not taken off, but uh, replaced in this game. You know, he certainly doesn't need rotation, but it just seems to be uh, who Martins wants on what day. Um, it's it's honestly hard to tell who who his preferred options are on the wing because sometimes he plays Fusai in the big game. Sometimes he plays Masuras, you know, sometimes Lazar. But, and then Mari Kamara got a day off uh, and he's been getting rotated reasonably well and he's been in very good form. Uh, it surprises me that Jan and Vila did not get a day off instead of Mari or, or with Mari. Uh, because you could have gone Buchalakis and Kamara. And, you know, Mari, he's younger. Uh, and, you know, I understand that every player's fitness is valuable, but he's not getting run in the ground as much as Jan and Vila is. So if it were me, I would have said Buchalakis and Mari give Jan the day off. And then Ba got the day off because he was suspended, to be fair. Now, not to say that he would have played if he was available, but um, Cisse was in by necessity. Uh, it is good that we got that rotation. We did have, uh, I think, Semedo suspended. Uh, in one of the previous games, I think it was Panetolikos. So, you know, a little bit of rotation by necessity there. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, El Arabi, I get it. Sudani hasn't been in the squad at all, uh, not even the bench uh, for the last three games, I think. And Kuipers has been out since Lamia, I think. Maybe, or no, maybe Larisa. It's Pepe who's been out since Lamia. Um, so uh, Kuipers played a little bit more recently. But he's been out of the squad for a long time. You know, I, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't know what's going on. I don't expect Kuipers to be in because it seems like he might not be a part of the team. But honestly, like, I would almost take Fortuny's false nine over this. We saw it. You know, it's not my favorite thing. You know, I'm not a Takis Lemonis fan for that. But it can't be that bad if we just give El Arabi a day off. And what I'm worried about is 
we go into PAUK and lose, and then people make fun of us on social media and we have to potentially change our profile picture. Like we almost had to change our profile picture to a PAUK logo, people. The bet we had to the PAUK Talk podcast, like, my God, that would have been bad. And that's what worries me the most. Like, and I, and Costa's right, like, because I'm not Greek. I, I'm, I understand the Greek media will tear him apart and the Greek fans will tear Martins apart if we drop points against Yanina. But I would rather drop points today and then have a team that's fit enough to beat Pauk than, you know, scrape by a win today or beat Yanina today with our full squad and then potentially not beat Pauk when we play them again in a week and a half. Uh, you know, that I would rather see that. And maybe he'll rest the guys in the cup and that'll be nice, but they've been playing a whole lot of football lately. And, and yeah, that's why I'm worried. I understand, uh, you know, I, I do understand it, but I'm worried as well. Since I'm typically the voice of like the unreasonable, I'm going to try to like spread the unreasonable voice that I've been seeing from 14 year olds on Instagram, which is, I take part in, I don't comment. I just read. And a lot of them are just like, Okay, I'm going to just talk for the unreasonable ones. Yeah. So a lot of people are just upset because the football's quite, I don't want to swear, it's quite mediocre with the full 11. And we've seen that for how long now? It's almost like, okay, if we rotate and we suck, which is fine. It's like we, we rotated and we sucked. We've also seen our first 11 kind of sucks too sometimes when they're dead tired. So people are just tired of it. And people are starting to wonder like what is going down with this Pepe situation, like, what is going on? Also, another player who didn't make the squad list, Andruzos. He He's sometimes in there. He sometimes comes on a sub, sometimes not. Like, what's the deal going on there? He's, honestly, I would prefer him over Masuras on the wing. It's not even his position. I'd prefer him. It's just why this is not happening. Like, we pay so much money for to have extra players, to have quality. I would rather have Cafu than Thiago Silva at this point. Like, what is the point of Thiago Silva? He's played like three times. At least Kafu can come in and Martins trusts him to play. It, it's bewildering because this season is special and it's clear there's needed more rotation. And we have five subs to change things if the rotation doesn't work. We've seen that happen before. So just do it. We understand. It's not like a regular season. You have a 3.5 million euro player on your bench. Like, he must be able to play. Kind of, I want to kind of bring some things into perspective a little bit. Not that I'm going to disagree that I think we played poorly. I, the 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 quality of the possession and the link up play is definitely on a downhill, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One, we have traded Mvila for Guillerme, and I love Mvila. Don't get me wrong; he's clinical with the ball. Has a nice touch, has a decent long ball too, but he is not Guillerme. And having that extra body going forward that actually was dynamic and could take players on, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference in terms of offensive momentum. The last couple games that we've played remind me of the Greek national team under Fernando Santos because we can't score unless we're scoring off of a set piece. So the there's a there's a couple of things here that even we see with today with the rotation that changed for positive but then we still have the negatives with with the, the midfield so on the plus side we had our overlapping wingbacks today we weren't complaining about the overlapping wingbacks because they were there even when you look on the positional mapping they are way further up now they had struggles with other facets of the game but at the very least we had the overlaps the problem with them was they act they couldn't really 
get much going, but at least the effort was there. The Yanavila and Bukalakis were pretty much on top of each other the whole game. You can see that in the positional mapping. We saw it in the game too. Now, Bukalakis had a decent first half. It's sad. I feel bad because I don't like making fun of him, but it's sad when he's the best player that you have on the pitch for any long, any period of time, let alone an entire half. Uh, but I was really upset about the Bruma sub until I saw the data, which actually populated. And Bruma was overlapping with Valbuena and Costa in the midfield a lot. And just in the few pieces of link up I've been watching between the three of them, that's why there was no width today. That's why we were severely lacking. The three of them were holding hands when they were on the field together, at least, or when Fortunis was on the field and when Bruma was on the field with Valbuena in that first half. The, it was the two of them holding hands and then Fortunis and Valbuena. It's the same thing. It doesn't really work. Uh I think in some cases, Martins is giving the players a little bit too much liberty or maybe moving things around. I'm not sure if this is his direction or if he's letting the players kind of float around. I'm inclined to believe that he's letting them float around as he trusts them, like players like Valbuena, the major playmakers. And you have to be a little bit more structured than that because everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And then it's our shape is terribly affected. Uh, you have Fortunis coming deep to receive the ball. Part of the reason for that is, yes, because him and Valbuena are in the same space. But even when Valbuena's on the wing, uh, there were four instances in uh, 68th minute, the 72nd minute, and the 64th minute where Fortunis comes deep to get the ball. He has Valbuena wider on the right, and then he has Masuras on the left. And then he comes deep to get the ball. But then there's nobody behind the midfield in the defensive line. How are we supposed to get anything going moving forward when our number 10 is coming deep with, with our eight and our six to get the ball and go forward? How are we supposed to get things moving? And then on top of that, you have El Arabi isolated there. Not to mention the fact that he's exhausted. All that taken into consideration, we should recognize a couple of things. We did have more than a few good opportunities on goal. And despite the fact that our buildup was lacking, I think that we also need to take into account that our finishing has also just been poor. I mean, we had four pretty, well, I'll say four really good opportunities that registered with really high X goal. Uh, of course, the, Val the Valbuena penalty kick, you know, that normally would be a goal was a, a good save, but... I'll be honest with you. I watched the replay of the penalty about 12 times. Valbuena telegraphed where he was going the whole way. Kutesiotis knew where that ball was going to go. It was pretty easy. Uh, then we had uh, the Masuras, that Masura shot right in front of goal. Uh, he did have two defenders in front of him, but put a little bit of air on that. And that that's going to go in. Uh, the Bukalakis free kick, which was a nice save. Uh, the El Arabi uh, missed chance from the uh, that Hassan flick. Now, I initially didn't think Hassan meant to do that. I thought he was trying to settle the ball, but that was deliberate. It was a deliberate pass. I will give it to Hassan. Uh, Costa, you called it. Uh, it was deliberate, and he definitely meant to do it. That was the one really good touch he had, besides, of course, his set-piece headers. Uh, that he had in terms of build-up play. 
but we had, you know, in retrospect, a lot of scoring opportunities. And they only had the one, the one dangerous opportunity from, uh, I believe, I think it was Eleftheriadis at the end, that 83rd minute when he cut in and just completely killed the bird with his shot. That was really the most, the best opportunity that they had. So defensively, off the ball, we limited them big time. They didn't get a lot of opportunities. But yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. The link up is just the, the build up, the possession play is not the most inspiring. I mean, I think the, the, the best we can hope for is that on Wednesday when we play Panetolikos, I would personally expect to see a full rotation. Like, yeah. No first team players playing in that game on Wednesday. It's two legs. Um, he needs to rest everybody. We've got a big yeah. game or two big games coming up that could essentially kill the season. Uh, we play Atromitos away. It's traditionally a tough fixture for us. Last season, it was that Hassan header in stoppage time that gave us the game. It was a crucial game uh, in, in that season. And then we have Pauk next Wednesday. So I really hope that he, he, gives, some, he gives the players a rest on, uh, on Wednesday. And... Uh, on the Pepe situation, I want to pick up on this because I remember we had a conversation about this maybe a couple of months ago and he was getting games in the Champions League, getting minutes in the league. And I just remember saying to you guys, like, I haven't figured this guy out yet. I don't know if he's a good player. I don't know if he's crap. I haven't seen, I haven't seen enough, but from conversations I've had and, and listening to some, some folks in Greece, I think the general kind of sentiment or assessment that I have of him is that he's, he's a bit delicate, you know? He's a bit soft. He looks, like, he looks like the kind of player that he plays with his head up. He's looking at the field. He's got good technique. He can pass the ball very well. But he's not the kind of player that's going to get his jersey dirty. Some people that were trying to analyse him before we signed him were saying, oh, he's kind of a Bukhalakis, but he's a little bit better, you know, and he'd be gunning for that position. But I don't know, what's your take on it? I, I'm curious. Well, no, that's actually very accurate. When I did the deep dive on Pepe, I had said there's – I didn't understand why people thought he was a Guillerme replacement because he was not a six. I saw nothing that indicated he could be a six, any kind of ball winner. Any games that you watched, there were some where he positioned himself a little bit deeper, and you could say, okay, it's, it's in him. But the value was in his ball-playing ability. Uh, now, of course, if he's that much of a prima donna – and that's why we're not seeing him on the field because he can't, he doesn't really feel he should be doing that dirty work. That's a shame. It's a waste of 3 million euros. But even in the, even in the deep dive we did back when we talked about Pepe got how many episodes ago, is that 25, 26 episodes ago? Uh, I saw, I saw the same thing. I didn't see a physical specimen. I didn't see a guy that was going to occupy that six role. Jan and Vila, oh, 100%. You could see that. He's got some size to him. He's not afraid to throw it around. Even Bukhailakis isn't afraid to get down and dirty with stuff. But Pepe, I saw, was a completely different player. I, if anything, I thought he was an eight because uh, of the playmaking ability. Now, 
I didn't think he was going to track back as much. I he and there were some games he did it. There were some games we watched where okay, he he would, but he never seemed like a player that had the physical attributes, or should I say the will to get physical and put his body on the line. I'm afraid he's going to be a bust. And I'm, I, I, I'm, I really, I really just think he doesn't, he doesn't fit with the team, you know? And you touched on some really, really important points there. I mean, against Lamia, the last time he played, he came in as a sub, and I think he he occupied that sixth space, you know, as the first player that gets the ball from the defense and plays the first pass or plays the ball in over the top for a diagonal run from one of the wingers. I think that actually led to one of our goals as well from an Andrutos overlap and, and, a, and a cutback into the box for one of our goals. But, but in a big game, would you put him there to play as a six? No. No. Would you put him in as a as an eight instead of Maddie Camera? And if Camera is sold, would you be happy having Pepe as his replacement? Not Probably at the moment. Not. No. Probably not from what we've seen. So I'm afraid that he's going to be a bust. He's got a bit of that Andre Martin's symptom, you know, that um that almost Thiago Silva has is like. I don't see him as an eight, don't see him as a six, don't even see him, uh, he can't even be a 10, you know, like he's, like, where does this guy play? Like, you know, because it's difficult to say, like, maybe he's best to work in that 4-3-3. Three, three. Could that be a thing? Pepe, Camara, and Villa? Could that be a midfield that works? I don't know. Pepe, Buhalakis, Madi, does that work? I don't know. Because I don't see him in a two-man midfield very well. I, I think he can work there, but he... He doesn't have that running in him that I, I I feel like he sits back and he strolls around. He doesn't like I, I never really see him again. Now it's been how many weeks since we last saw him? Has it been before Christmas? Like the last time he played was against Lamia. Yeah, so it's been a while. So it was in that Christmas, terrible so. pitch too, as well. So yeah, it's been time. So I like almost don't remember. But I've I'm afraid too at this point. He's a bust. If you can't even play. In a game like this, it, it shows. For me, it's just it's it's just almost weird, and everything you guys said is correct. You know, he doesn't, he might not be the right player for this team, but like he was just getting in, and while he wasn't playing super well, I don't think he was awful either. I mean, he showed some stuff here and there. You know, I heard you know some folks, uh, like I heard people in Greece just like calling for his head like like as Lambro says like people are calling him a coat but also like a quality coat and I think coach Yanni also wasn't too fond of him um and it brings me to the question like do we see him against Panetolikos like Greek cup first leg of this like doesn't mean that much honestly could do without it like especially after the fiasco last year obviously it'd be happy to win it but like Costa said I'm sitting the entire best 11 of our team. Like, I want Solakis in. I want Avram in. Like, I don't care. Olebas back in. And if you, if you try to... Yeah. <laughs> Rafinha, <laughs> Rafinha's getting the day off, mate. But, like, if you try to make a midfield of, like, without, you know, say, uh, Mvila, Madi, and Fortunis all get a rest, you've probably got Pujalakis in there. You've maybe got Thiago Silva in the 10. And then who is your, like, 
other midfielder in that pairing? Is it Pepe? Is it Andruzos? You know, and I, we haven't seen Andruzos. So I, you know, I don't think so. We haven't seen him in that midfield role. We've seen him out wide. Um, and then, you know, on the wing, maybe we see Vrusai. Who do we see up front? Kuipers, like, does he get in? I think that's going to be interesting. If El Arabi plays another game, he's started every single game since he returned from injury. So since the City game, he has started every single game since then. And I think that, I mean, I get it. Like Hassan has been out, but the guy needs a day off. I don't care who it is. Against Panetorikos, like we can put Cisse up top for all I care because El Arabi needs a day off. And Jan Vila, he hasn't sat a minute of football since Lamia when he scored and we were up 3-0 and he came off at halftime. He hasn't been on the bench for a minute He's been in. He's been on the pitch for every minute of football since that game, so he needs a day off badly. Like we saw him kind of reverting back to his like wanting to sit back and be a center back from time to time against Yanina, and he's actually been a solid player for us the past few weeks. But he needs his rest as well, and he. I will be very surprised. I'm faithful that Martins will give him the day off. Honestly, part of the reason I think that we didn't see as much rotation as maybe some of us wanted was because Martins knows this cup game is coming up. And, you know, that's fair. I'll reserve some judgment if I see it against Panetolikos. But, yeah, I'm hoping for a full second team. Maybe some young players as well. Like, it's just, you know, bring in some new guys. Like, who cares? It's one leg. Even if we lose this one leg, we can win the second leg. Even if we lose the, the tie, it's the cup. Like, if anything, it just gives us more rest. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. Hopefully, lots of rotation for the cup game. I would agree with that. I expect Mvia and El Arabi to not be in the squads on Wednesday. I think Hassan Hassan's probably not ready for a full 90 minutes. But you could we could see Hassan start with Sudani, for example, in a 4-4-2. That's something we, we could potentially keep in mind. I think Holebas could probably make a return um, unless he continues to to Blood Rebchuk, who I think has made a very promising start to his career at the club. Um, perhaps maybe f a few words on him. I just think he looks... He's very raw, you know? He looks very enthusiastic. He likes to bum up and down the line. As many times I've seen him just start running on the left-hand side, waiting for a long ball when he's in space, but they haven't... You know, they haven't seen him. They've turned and they're looking to play the ball out wide to the right. But I like what I've seen from him. I think he can go a little bit... Um, he can be a bit clumsy sometimes on a one-on-one -on -one down the left-hand side. But I really like the way that he gets back. He he just looks like a turbo, just running running back to chase the wingers. If Even when he's got, you know, more than a couple of yards... He, he, he makes it back and he, he tracks really well. And I'm, I'm quite enthusiastic about that signing. Um, maybe as a last thing, because Andrutos was mentioned, I feel really sorry for that boy. I, oh, I don't yeah. know how old he is anymore, but you know he's, he's, he should be playing in one position. It, even for anyone that's played amateur, like... You need to be playing consistently in one position, especially at that age, to improve. 
He's and you can say what you want about being a versatile player and being technically, you know, gifted and good defensively and good attacking and but no, you need as a young player to play in one position and improve your skill set and learn your position on a field. He's playing right back one game. He's playing centre mid one game. He came on and played left wing the other day. Just, he signed a new contract. I don't know what that boy's doing. Side note, he was a, he was a client of, I think, the, a Serbian agent who, who we fell out with as a club. And then I think they, they kind of told him, listen, you're going to go and sign with, with Pierisa and his team. Pro was it Pro Soccer Eleven? They own or they manage uh, Madi, uh, Cisse, and Ba. So he signed with with them, and I think they've kind of just tied him in, and they've been throwing him around from one loan to the other. I'll stop there. I feel sorry for the kid. I I definitely do too. Uh, it's it sucks when you get moved out of your natural position especially that when you are comfortable playing somewhere and you're being told, hey, go play over here. It's outside your comfort zone. You don't really know what you're doing. It sucks. It really does. And even if you do play well, you always feel dissatisfied as a player because you feel like you are going to be better somewhere else. Uh, but, Gosta, I wanted to touch on your, uh, what, your Oleg comments because – Looking at, again, looking at the stats, the overlapping wingbacks, this is the first game we've actually been able to play with overlapping wingbacks for pretty much a full 90 minutes. And we had 32 crosses. 32 crosses. Just to give you guys an idea, this season we're averaging 17 per game. Less than what we were doing last year. The last time we had this high number of crosses uh, or I should say over 30 crosses in 11 on 11 play was when we played Omonia the first time around when we beat them to nothing. That was the last time we had 32 crosses. Look at what the overlapping speed and wingbacks gets you. It helps give you space, not just for them, but for the players behind them, the, the wingers, it gives them extra space so that they can then make those crosses. It just helps you do other things. So when you're not cutting through balls through a, a parked bus, you can help establish some kind of width. So despite how poorly we played in buildup and despite how poor maybe the, the possession was, we did this part of it right. And back to what we were talking about, Valbuena being in the game way too long, this is one of the reasons why he kept him in there. And looking at it, I, I knew it I knew it when when we saw the subs at halftime and Valbuena was still on that this was the case because of these 32 crosses Valbuena was responsible for a quarter of them himself eight from him seven from Oleg and six from Drager so you could say it's like 60% of our crosses came from three players. And that's why he left Valbuena in there. He is a volume. Martins, we've talked about this many times. He's a volume guy. He's not going to give up his volume because he wants to play a numbers game. And he knows eventually something's going to stick with a point man like Hassan or El Arabi in the box. How many of those crosses were coming in from the right? From Valbuena? I bet you above 80%. 
something to look at but he we always have this kind of uh how to say automatism you know this um this play that we play down the right hand side where Valbuena gets the ball he'll play it into the midfielder uh, the, the right winger the winger will play the overlap and then the overlapping wing back will cut it back to Valbuena for a cross in from the right hand side and that's something we saw a lot last season when Pedenza was in the team and we had Pedenza and, and El Abdelawi. Oh my God, the glory days. How I missed yep. that. <laughs> Omar and Pedenza just storming down the right wing and terrorizing opposition and yep. cutting back to Valbuena for those crosses into the box. And how many goals did we score just from those kinds of actions last year? And they're trying to do it again this year. But you just see that the it's like clicks, not, not one click, but clicks slower and just... It's it's not as it's not as pleasing on the eye as it was last year, and we've talked about this many times before. We, okay, Omar's gone, like, Timikas is gone, Guillaume is gone. We've got to deal with it. Um, I hope we're looking for a right back in the summer. By the way, uh, yeah. I'm, I, I don't want to piss all over Rafinha mm -hmm. any more than Labro has already, but I mean he's he's um, he's thirty six, thirty five. I can't remember. Drager, I'm not sure. We need a we need a good right back. I hope they've yep. uh, they've made a shortlist already for that position. Yep. The answer the was seven, by the way. Seven of his eight crosses from yeah. the right side. Drager is yeah for me. Drager is a very good backup, but not good enough to start consistently for this team. And so I'm with Costa. I would take a right back right now. I understand if they won't do it, but this summer, Rafinha can go somewhere else and we can bring someone else in to replace him as the starting right back for the club. Oleg, you know, we've talked about, he's not always the nicest on the ball, but we've been a bit spoiled with Jimikas. He's we're talking about fullbacks here. Obviously the game is evolving, but you know, there's a reason he's not playing up on the wing. And if, if he can run and get in those positions for me, that is at least a start and he's still young. And I'm encouraged by that. I'm happy. I'm so far. I'm happy to roll with him as the starting left back uh, for the future, and and hopefully he can continue to improve his touch as well, and maybe, maybe even become a bit more versatile in terms of what he does when he's taking on players. Yeah, and Peter, I'm just going to jump in. Drager, can we really expect that much from someone from the worst team in the Bundesliga by far last season? We only paid peanuts for like, I have no idea personally. For Oleg. I just want to like remind people because we have this idea like Chimikas, the star going to Liverpool. A lot of people were wanting him to sell him to Panionios because he couldn't do anything going forward that first season with Martins. A lot, a lot of, of people. people being me because Guthries yep. would sit on the bench for just like, was it Chimikas who got sent off against Real Betis and we almost ate a goal to lose that game? I think so. Was it Chimikas just like, doing nothing when we had Kutris and I was yelling about it yes so we have like almost selective memory about these things like Chimikas wasn't all that great going forward for a long time so Oleg I'm gonna give time I'm gonna give time and if he doesn't work out that left side is perfect Kutris comes back in the summer Oleg is there they compete for it we have another two left backs who are competing fine with me it's the right back position that I'm worried about because Rafinha, we, we reference the coat. He is the definition of a coat. 
he is a huge coat, massive. You're going to be warm all winter with that coat. He's perfect. He's quality. He's good. But and, and Drager's just, I don't know. I don't think I don't think you can get a great fullback for like four hundred thousand euros. Like, I I just don't think it's there. So they're going to need to invest, or they're going to need Yanni Masuras to turn into Jimikas. I don't know. You've so, got to give these players time. And, I mean, you can't just expect somebody to come in and turn it on. I mean, we're, we're, we're not Juventus. We're not Manchester United. Uh, we can't just splash out 30 million and go and get Alex Tejas or whoever from Porto and bring them in and tell them, all right, you know, go and, go and show us down the left wing. You, you need to, these players need to develop confidence. They need consistency. They need game time. They're young. And like you said, Timikas, Timikas just had a breakout season last, last year. And I, I think that going into a, a different discussion here, the fact that we played three, um, three qualifying rounds in the Champions League last season, it had a major impact on bringing that team together, solidifying that team, helping that team create identity and helping that team know that they were good. Because to play in the Champions League, you need to go through that kind of process, beating three good teams to get into the group stage. This year we played Omonia. Everybody was expecting us to beat them. We did the job. We got to the group stage. We seriously needed the money this year because of Corona, because no fans. It was We needed to play Champions League to remain competitive in the next year. Uh, I'm going into a wholly different discussion here, but this team's not as good as, as last season. And we talked about that with, with Sabracos as well um, in, in the last uh, podcast that we had. Well, Costa, you're in luck because now that our coefficient is all the way down at 18th, we have many more qualifying games to play in the Champions League, even if we win the league. So that opportunity will be there next summer uh, to play all those qualifying rounds. Now, Lambro mentioned that Rafinha is the definition of a coat. I do want to move on to one other player that could be defined as a coat, and that is Yorgos Masuras. We used to say, I remember the good old days when we would say, Sometimes Masuras looks great, like he's ready for the next level, and sometimes he looks horrible. We haven't seen the part where he looks great in a while. Um, so what's happened with this guy? Like, we've always criticized his finishing. We thought for a while he was getting there. The Stelios comparisons were made, maybe a bit foolishly. But, like, what happened to Masuras? Why has he just been awful? Like, he's gotten a, a fair amount of rest. He's not playing every day. That's not it. He's got competition. He's got motivation. Like he seems like a good kid, but like my God, we haven't seen a good uh, we haven't seen a good performance from this man in ages. Peter, you know that skeleton meme where it's like still waiting, and it's like the skeleton behind the computer. That's like our listeners who are like, "Oh, Gate Seven International always says after a bad game, Masuras plays good." <laughs> They're still waiting. It's been like <laughs> it's been two months, I think, guys. No, but seriously, um, it. it it's gone to that point where I think Adi even brought it up. Like, is he good enough for this club? Like, is is he, are we at that point yet where 
we question whether he's good enough. And we can go on to the the bigger theme here. We haven't we don't have any good wingers. Like I'm sorry, Bruma's so inconsistent. Lazar, let's not get started on Coates. And Masuras is whatnot. And then we run Balbuena out there. I don't know, man. Like this seems like a bigger problem. I don't get how we're not in the market for a winger. Maybe things are expensive. It's winter. We don't want to do an Emery more, but like I don't I just don't know. I don't know. It it's tough with Masuras. And the reason I I brought that up, uh, just to be clear for the listeners, we're talking in our in our group chat. I brought this up because look at what we've said about Masuras when we've seen the good games from him. We say he's a good squad player. He could be a quality squad player on his good games. But when it's his bad games, my God, it is bad. Just to give you an idea, he uh, Bruma played 30 less minutes on the field than he did. And Bruma had the exact same, actually, I will say more contribution than Masuras did. And Bruma didn't That's even do that sad. Much. That is really sad. Exactly. And Bruma didn't do that much either. I mean, Bruma had two those two instances where he dribbled the ball he got the ball uh, dribbled it up the kind of like middle left middle right and attempted some interplay and that never unfortunately those those positional attacks never really worked out but at least he tried to do that Masuda just looks like he's lost I'm going to be honest with you guys I I, I really feel like Masuda is getting lost out there I wonder if there's pressure something's getting to him because the last good game we've seen from him I think was uh, the Larissa game, the 5-1 drubbing of Larissa. He had a pretty good game. Maybe maybe even uh, uh, when we beat Astera Tripoli 4-0, he had like one or two good passes. But it, it, it's just bad. And I, it, I question, you know, regardless of whether or not he's in a, just a rut right now, is he good enough for this team? You know, Coach Yanni said it. Coach Yanni doesn't believe Masuras or Bukhalakis, for that matter, are good enough for this Olympiacos team. I may not necessarily agree about Bukhalakis. I think he's a good. He's he's good to have on the team for depth. But Masuras, I am beginning to question whether or not he is actually Olympiacos quality. Maybe he heard us comparing him to Stelio on the podcast. Yorgos, if you're listening, we love you just the way you are. Just go back to not killing birds every time, and you're going to be golden. Just, just be yourself, Yorgos. Um, with that, do we want to go ahead and get into man of the match and coach's grade for this game? I will get started. Man of the match. Uh, honestly, for me, not a whole lot of outstanding performances. Part of me wants to give it to Hassan, but he only played. He barely played. I mean, he came in at the end. So I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'll say Buhalakis maybe because he had a good first half. Um, you know, there are a lot of people you could give it to, I feel. Hassan obviously comes in and gets the goal. Uh, but off the top of my head, I don't have the analytics in front of me. I'll say Buhalakis. Coach is great. I'm going to say a C-. minus. Uh, we talked about, I know like Costa said he was thinking of giving him an F. I'm still going to be pretty low just because, you know, I think even if you didn't want to rotate the changes. Some of the changes he did make were a bit foolish. Uh, Vabuena and Fortunis don't play well together. El Arabi, like, I, I don't care, man. He needs a rest. He just does. Uh, you know, we're lucky, like, honestly. I mean, he, he had coronavirus for a while, but we are lucky that El Arabi has been healthy all this time. Like, we talk about how he doesn't play well and he doesn't help us when he's playing badly, but, like, what if El Arabi tears his ACL, guys? <laughs> like, it's not going to be great. And that, I mean, he's not as old as Valbuena, but like, that's not going to be good. So we got to give this guy some rest. 
So that's that's all I'm going to say there. Yeah, for sure, Peter. And when you brought up that man of the match, a famous thing, something we never, someone we never talk about, but Peter always says, when everyone sucks, you always just think, oh, clean sheet, Jose oh, Sa. Oh, true. That's a good point. But Jose Sa, his passing was so bad. Did you guys notice that? It was that? awful. It was so bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> because, like, like Greek 12-year-olds on Instagram were just going in on Jose Saw. They're like, Jose Saw, it's your birthday, and I'm still going to say you suck. Why are your passes killing birds? Blah, blah, blah. So I can't even give it to Jose Saw. He's really going to do me like that? I, I was trying to think. I guess Cissé, Cissé almost scored once. I don't know. I, I don't know. This is the same with the Pauk game. Can I give it to Warda again? I don't know. Can I give it to Warda? I don't know for posting something funny on Instagram. I don't know. Tomato? I don't know. I really don't know. Hassan? I'll just give it to Hassan. Martins? F. I'm... No. Please, someone go. You gave me a nice pass because there was a, there were some moments during the game today when, when you know, Cissé was doing his thing where he kind of, you know, trips up on himself or kind of loses the ball from under his feet. And I just... It's time to sell him. Like I think he's been a really good servant to the club. And I, I think that if if he leaves now and we, you know, by some miracle this you know, get Papastathopoulos to come back to Greece, that would be fantastic. But he he I think we need to sell him. We bought him in for what, seven hundred K? And uh, apparently we're asking for 10. God, guys, if we could sell him for more than five, six million, that would be fantastic. And bring someone bring someone in or give Markovic a chance, who's out on loan at Partizan right now. But yeah, sorry, I just wanted to follow up on that because you dared to think about Cissé as man of the match. But um, I think Hassan is the man of the match. Easy. It's an easy one because he scores the goal. I mean, he didn't do much otherwise. Apart from that wonderful flick, um, he got the goal. So I think he he gets the plaudits today. And because I'm in a good mood tonight, I'll I'll give um, I'll give Martins a, a C minus or a D plus, however you want to look at it. I, I didn't like his I didn't like the lineup at the beginning. I didn't like his changes. Even if the analytics on on Bruma, for example, they show he wasn't doing doing a lot. Um, his some of his decision making, both this game and the previous game against Balk, they've they've got me asking some some questions about him. Um, so let's see how, what he decides to do in the Panetolikos game and how he manages in the in the games to come. Uh, for coaching grade, I mean, even with the analytics, it's it might be a little better. I gave him an F. Right after the game, I, I was like, this is F. This is terrible. I didn't like the starting lineup uh, as well. Uh, I mean, I've just been negative on the starting lineup anytime I see Masuda starting or when I see El Arabi there not given a rest. Not that El Arabi isn't the best we have, but yet, you know, it's the whole, the whole thing comes down to exhaustion. So I'll end up with, I'll end up all, with a D, mainly because... I, I can make sense of the Bruma sub. That one I can make sense of. But the other ones, I, I still can't. Bukhalaki is coming off. Vrusai at right wing back. 
that that still seemed like a waste to me because this was a game where I thought Drager was okay, at least in the defensive aspect, where he struggled was getting forward, but he was still giving the space for the crosses to come. And that was, in the end, what the most important part was. If anything, a more direct winger should have been brought on to try and run at the defenders because we didn't really do much of that. So I can't make sense of some of those substitutions. And I thought we were flip-flopping. Whether it was Martinez's decision to do it or not, I couldn't t- – the, the flip-flopping of the wingers in the attacking mid position, too much. It was, it was too much. We were overthinking it. So D for Martins, man of the match. I, I, this will probably be the first time and only time you'll hear me say it. Hassan, he scored the goal, broke the deadlock, did what he came on to do. Literally, the guy came on and touched the ball only a few times. He want, he In both instances where he was part of the free kicks, he got his head on the ball. I mean, both times. The one time led to a dangerous opportunity that we couldn't do anything about. Uh, so that's it. And I want to give a special shout out to a Yanina player, Pamlidis. I didn't notice him the first time or in any other game I've watched, but he had a pretty good game today. Uh, he's an interesting player, and I'm going to be checking up on him a little bit more. Uh, I thought he had a good game against us today. Adi, did you not give Hassan man of the match against Marseille? I gave it to Bukalagas. Yeah, I didn't give it to Hassan. My God, look at me and you with a role reversal. Guys, I want to just give one more shout out. I was just randomly scrolling and saw this, but huge, huge news for Olympiacos. One of the best players at the club has just left. Folks, Bobby Allen. <laughs> we have had a transfer range. I didn't see this until just now. It happened about a Is week he still ago. At the club? Is he still <laughs> he at the just club? got sold to Swedish side Orebro. And Sweden, because in Sweden, they play in the summer because it's too cold. So they don't start the season until April. So Bobby Allen is off to Sweden, and he's just going to be spending four months there waiting to play. Huge transfer. Costa, anything you want to say to Bobby Allen before he he makes his final uh, mention in the podcast? Oh, God. You remind me of Bobby Allen, and that brings me back to the Wolverhampton game. And I was in a in a cafe in, in Crete watching it and banging on the table during that game. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure we released him at the start of the season, but I, I, I'm not not a hundred percent. But but I did see that on uh, on Instagram uh, a few a few a few days ago. I think. Good luck to him. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I think he's a, a stand-up guy, but but yeah, um, at least he wasn't as bad as Costadzo. Talking about terrible. Does remember him? <laughs> yeah, talking about terrible oh, goalkeepers yeah. too. Bazianina had a classic Olympiacos terrible goalkeeper. Hutziotis, is that his name? He was terrible. Hutziotis, yeah. Us. He had like team well today. Yeah, he did pretty well today. They still them out at halftime. They, Poor have guy. A, they have a ton of former academy kids that we have. Saliakas, I think, is one. The right fullback, yeah. Liatsos, I want to say, is another academy product. Their Liatsos is different. I'd have to relook at their team. It's a different Liatsos, I think. Oh, yeah, God. Midfielder. He doesn't have a T in his name. It's just Never mind. Yeah, it's just My football Liazos. manager knowledge just followed me. <laughs> um, anyway, football Bobby manager, LN. How dare you? Anyway. Bobby Allen, you will be missed, my friend, legend. Good luck in Sweden. And uh, that is all we have to say about him. But I just thought that was funny. I figured we should mention it. Uh, anyway, that is all we have for today, folks. Um, I want to thank you so much for listening, especially if you've made it this far. Uh, continue to interact with us on social media, Gate7INTL and everything. 
continue. I haven't said this in a while, but continue to leave Apple podcast reviews. We will be reading out more reviews. If you leave one on Apple podcasts, we've had some great ones in the past. And if you leave one, we'll give it a read, even if it's bad, even if you think that we're biased and have terrible coverage, we will read it out loud. So please do that if you'd like. And our DMs are always open. Remember, we have a special guest and nobody has guessed it yet, at least at the time that we are recording this podcast, nobody has guessed it. He's not bald, folks. Remember that. We will have another hint coming up in a bit, but we're going to let you see if you can figure it out with that new hint until then. And we will be back with basketball on Friday. So no football coverage until next week. Enjoy the cup game against Panetolikos. Enjoy next weekend's fixture against Atromitos, where we can hopefully pick up three points. Have a great week, and we will see you very soon.